Hey everyone, welcome back to Open Arms Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to me and for sharing this podcast with your loved ones and your friends. I wanted to encourage you to think of somebody this week who could perhaps really find encouragement in this podcast. Someone who is perhaps struggling and a single mom recently divorced who just needs a ray of hope and needs encouragement and um, you are able to reach them with this podcast. So I would encourage you to share it with them or perhaps even share it with somebody in ministry who knows of women going through this type of situation. Maybe pass it along to a lady at your church who's involved in women's ministry um, or maybe a counselor friend that you have who could share it um, in their sphere of influence. Um, so thank you ahead of time for doing that. And I really appreciate your help in reaching these women with hope and encouragement. And I appreciate you emailing me and sharing with me your struggles and your questions. I'm very humbled that you would open up to me in that way. And I really do think that as you open up and email me and share with me what you're going through, that it can really benefit a lot of people. So thank you for doing that. And I wanted to just go ahead and get started by reading another email that I received. Um, This lady emailed me and was telling me her story of being a single mom and being recently divorced. And she started to just share some of her struggles. She said, walking forward in the healing and walking forward with the Lord and believing that he's not mad at me and that he has good things for me and my children has been hard. But she said, I'm determined to let this form who I am and give me a testimony. I think the biggest struggle right now is how do I dream again when all of my dreams and what I thought my life would look like was intertwined with another person? How do I dream with God again for me and my kids? It's so hard when you think life will look a certain way and then it's dramatically shifted in a different direction. I really appreciate that email and I'm sure many, many women in our situation can relate to that. Thinking that your life was going to look a certain way and then coming to a point of accepting that it's not going to look that way anymore. It's going to look very different and you actually have no idea how it's going to look. And that could be the hardest part is that uncertainty I wanted to talk about the answer to her question. Basically, the question is, how do I dream again? And I wanted to answer that question in a pretty in-depth way. And I wanted to start by talking about grief. I truly think that the way that you begin the journey of dreaming again is by starting with grief and grieving thoroughly. Grieving what you will not have that you thought you would have and grieving what you will have now that you thought you would never have. For instance, when I was sitting down and grieving the loss of my marriage and everything I thought that I was going to look forward to in my life, Um, A lot of things came to mind. One of the things that came to mind was grieving 
the fact that I will not grow old with my husband. I will not watch him get gray hair, right? I'm not going to enjoy going to our children's weddings together. I'm not going to enjoy taking our kids to college for the first time with him. I'm not going to enjoy having grandkids together. There's a lot of things that I had to think through that I was losing because you're not just grieving the past, you're grieving the future of what could have been. And before you can dream again, you have to really identify all the things that you were dreaming of that you have now lost. And so what you can do is kind of take the examples I gave and form your own list of things that you are losing so that you're very thorough in identifying everything that needs to be addressed in your heart. Some examples of things that you will now have to face that you thought you would never have to face are things like visitation. I never thought that I was going to have to drive my kids you know, back and forth on the holidays and on the weekends to see their dad and then come home. I never thought that was going to be a part of my life. I never thought that I would have to spend holidays without my son. I never thought I would have to deal with the possibility or the reality of my spouse getting remarried. Those are just a few examples of things that your future might hold that you just weren't planning for, that you didn't sign up for. And you need to think through those things so that you can grieve thoroughly. When I was kind of in the intense part of grieving, I was obviously still a mom. And, you know, how do you face your grief and handle it when you have a child to take care of? What I would do and what I found very helpful was when the grief would become overwhelming and a certain thought would come into my mind that would make me cry or make me realize, wow, there's a lot there. I would jot it down on a piece of paper and maybe the list would grow throughout the day or maybe it was just one thing a day. But then I would have it written down knowing that this is a touchy area for me. This is a sensitive area for me that I need to I need to grieve, I need to heal. And so what I would do is after my son would go to bed and I had alone time or maybe during nap time, I would sit on the couch and I would pull that piece of paper out and I would journal and I would write out everything that I felt concerning that topic and I would let myself cry and I would let myself surrender and it wasn't fun but it needed to happen because it welled up inside of me during the day for a reason and so if you can be sensitive to what's going on inside of you during the day and just jot it down you'll be able to later address that grief in a quiet setting where you can really think through it and really be emotional and address that emotion thoroughly because you are taking it and you are facing it instead of suppressing it and shoving it down 
and never getting to it. So that was something that was very helpful for me throughout that year. I spent many evenings and many afternoons when he was napping to emotionally process the things that I was going through. And I would let myself cry. I would let myself just break down because I knew that as a mom, this was my chance. And I didn't want to draw out the grieving process. I wanted to heal as soon as possible. And so if you address an area of grief immediately, you will heal faster. If you suppress it or numb it, it will draw out that grieving process. And I considered it a gift when something specific would hit me and it would hurt and it would provoke emotion. I would consider that a gift because that was God bringing it up so that he could get it out of me. But here's the thing. The enemy does not want you to grieve. He is going to do everything in his power to distract you from grieving or to intimidate you. And the reason he does that is because he does not want you to heal. And grief is how you heal. He wants a root of bitterness to take place in your heart. He does not want your heart to get cleaned out. He does not want your heart to heal. He wants there to be bitterness and anger so that it could produce more damage than it's already produced. God does not want that. God wants to clean out the wound and he wants to dress it and bind it up so that you can walk forward in healing. So I wanted to draw attention to the reality That you will be tempted to not grieve. You will be tempted to numb the pain when it comes up. And I'm here to tell you that you need to face it. I know that it's scary, but the lie that the enemy tells you is that choosing to grieve will only make the pain worse. He'll say, why would you want to lean into a negative feeling? Why don't you run from it? And that temptation is real. And sometimes you're going to fail and sometimes you are going to run from it. The reason that we lean into that negative feeling is to get rid of it. I don't want those negative feelings. And so I'm going to address the pain so that it goes away. I'm not going to avoid the pain so that it gets worse. The truth about grief that the enemy doesn't want you to know is that grief gets better over time as you face it. The grief lessens in frequency and intensity the more you face it. It really does go away eventually. And the enemy says, if you feel this pain, if you choose to walk toward this pain, it's just going to hurt even worse, right? You're having a bad day. You don't want to walk toward the pain. You want to walk away from it. But the truth is walking toward it facing it, addressing it, going as deep as you can to get out what needs to get out, that's actually going to handle those negative feelings. They're going to be addressed and they are going to lessen as time goes by. And the analogy 
that I thought of when I was going through the grief process myself was the analogy of taking care of a baby. And maybe as a mom, you can relate to this. So think about having a baby and in the very beginning, the baby is very needy. The baby demands your attention. The baby takes up all of your time and energy and you feel like you have no life, right? Because the baby is there and is just needing you 24 seven. That is how grief is in the beginning. It's all you can think about. It controls your day and your night. It dominates your schedule. It's all about your grief. And that's okay in the beginning, just like it's okay in the beginning to give your baby all the attention he needs because he's just a baby. And that's what you're there for as his mother so you're, you're putting all your attention in the beginning towards your baby. And then little by little, the baby gets older and you start to have some more breaks during you, your day. Maybe they are sleeping more and so you get more breaks during the day and they just need less attention. And then eventually you start to feel like yourself again because your baby still requires attention, but not as much. And that's how it is with grief. As you, you know, handle your grief and take care of your grief and pay attention to your grief, eventually the grief will not dominate your schedule as much and will not demand so much of your time and your energy. It will give you a couple breaks during the day and you'll find some relief and you'll start doing things that you once enjoyed. And then to continue the child analogy, as the child grows older, as time passes, the less the child needs you, the less attention the child requires. He is then able to get dressed by himself and put on his shoes and go to the bathroom by himself and even go to friends' houses. And so little by little, your attention and time is not required And then eventually the child grows up and leaves the house and goes to college or moves out. And so you have less interaction with the child and it demands less of your time. And so you have more freedom. And so it is with grief. Eventually, you don't ever think about it. Eventually, it is just a very occasional thought, like when they call you on the weekends or when they come home for the holidays. Like maybe the grief will hit you then, but it's basically moved out of the house at this point because you've done such a good job taking care of it in the beginning and you've let go of it in an appropriate way. So now you're benefiting from the work that you put in in the very beginning because the child is now self-sufficient and you have space and time for yourself. So grief requires a lot of attention in the beginning, but if you do your part and you give your time and your energy to it in the beginning, it will require less and less of your time and energy down the road. And just like a child, it's a sign that there's a problem if you're holding on to it too long and not letting go of it when it's time. There does come a time, and I think you can discern it 
in your spirit that like, hey, I'm probably crying about this too much. Maybe it's time to start letting this go. And it's a different time frame for everybody, but you should actually get to that point. To give you an example, when I first started doing visitation, the very first visitation, like the very first time I dropped him off and then went home for the weekend, I cried the entire way home. Then the next time I dropped him off and went home for the weekend, I cried maybe halfway home. And then the next time, maybe I just cried a little bit or I just cried right when we left, but then I had a pretty good drive home. So little by little, the crying is less intense and it's less frequent. And so there's encouragement there to know that if I lean into this pain, it will get better. Just like if I take care of this baby, eventually the baby will grow up and move out of the house. My work and my effort in paying attention to my grief will be worth it. Yes, it's scary to face the grief, almost like it's scary to walk into motherhood, right? It's scary to experience uncertain emotions and a responsibility like that. And it's scary to face the grief. It's hard to face it, but you need to know it's worth it, just like motherhood is worth it. And the cost of grieving is not as great as the cost of not grieving. It's gonna cost you more to avoid your grief down the road than it is to face it that same day and maybe you're thinking I don't care I just don't want to face this pain I don't want to face this suffering and I can relate to that but here's the truth you are not the only one who has suffered and didn't want to you are not alone in that because it is Jesus who has faced suffering and wanted at first to avoid it. He tried to get out of it. He said to his father, please take this cup from me. If there's a way that I can avoid this suffering, please make it happen. I know you can. So you're not alone in your suffering and you're not alone in wanting to avoid it. But you're also not alone in the benefits of facing it. Philippians 3.10 says that we share in Christ's resurrection. Romans 8.17 says that we share in his glory. 2 Corinthians 1.5 says that we share in his comfort. All of those verses are talking about suffering and the benefits that come from it. We have fellowship with Christ when we suffer we have intimacy with him, but not only that, we have a reward. Okay, so let's say that we then choose to grieve and we decide, okay, it's worth it. I'm going to face my grief. Satan couldn't get us to run from the grief. So what does he try to do next? The next thing he does is he uses some math to mess with us as we grieve. He uses subtraction and he uses addition. I'm sure you've heard of the verse in 1 Thessalonians 4 
that talks about the importance of grieving with hope. People without Christ, they grieve without hope. But people with Christ, they grieve with hope because they know that this life is not all that there is. So what the enemy does is he tries to take away our hope when we grieve. He tries to make us forget our hope. He tries to subtract it. And you need to watch out for that. Not only does he try to subtract hope from our grieving process, but he instead tries to add to our grief. He adds guilt to our grief. He adds despair to our grief. And he adds idealization to our grief. So let me break that down a little bit and explain to you where I'm coming from. I remember laying on my couch one day when I was supposed to be working from home and I just could not get up. Something was just holding me on the couch and I was so sad. And I remember feeling the weight of my sadness and I wasn't just grieving my divorce. I also felt guilty for being sad. And the Lord was showing that to me. And I felt like he was saying to me, yes, Margaret, I am asking you to grieve. And I'm proud of you that you're not running away from it. What I'm not asking you to do is to feel guilty. That is a burden that I'm not asking you to bear. And I was letting the enemy add guilt to my grieving process. And so I would encourage you as you're grieving to not let the enemy do that. So I broke it down for you. Like I said, he adds guilt to our grief, despair to our grief, and idealization. So the guilt is when we look in and we say to ourselves, I'm sad and I'm bad. We often think that when we experience negative emotions, it makes us unlovable. So I'm more loved when I'm happy and I'm less loved when I'm sad. So when I'm crying, not only am I crying about what I've lost, but I also feel this guilt and this shame for being an unhappy person. And I feel unloved. And God's not asking you to experience those negative emotions. He is asking you to face the negative emotions that come with loss because he wants to heal you. But he never says that you're a bad person for grieving. The truth is that the Bible says in Psalm 34, 18, that God draws near to the brokenhearted. Psalm 147, 3 says he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Sadness doesn't make you bad. It's actually an appropriate human emotion to have when you experience loss. You are not bad when you're sad for getting divorced. You're normal and you're not unloved. When you're sad, you're held by God. Matthew 5, 4 says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So that takes me to the next thing that the enemy adds to grief. He adds despair. So if the guilt comes from looking in and feeling bad when you're sad, the despair comes from looking forward and saying to yourself, I'm sad. And my future is bad. 
And so you're adding that heavy weight on your shoulders that God's not asking you to bear. We're telling ourselves, my future's bad. It always will be bad. And it'll probably get worse. Well, that's going to distract you from grieving what God's asking you to grieve. That's going to cause you to start despairing and feeling hopeless about your future. And that is not from the Lord. The truth is, you don't know what the future holds. Philippians 4.8 says to think on things that are true. It says, think on these things. And the first thing it says is whatever is true. And we can just stop right there. Is it true that the future is going to be bad? You don't know. The truth is you don't know. So you cannot say it's always going to be bad and it's even going to get worse because you don't know what the future on earth is going to look like. But what you do know about the future is that this earth is not our home. Our eternity is heaven. And that is going to be a perfect home, a place where there is no pain and no suffering. So for the Christian, your future is bright and you do know that. And you can say that to the enemy when he tries to get you to feel extra burdened by adding despair to your grief. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that he is taking us from glory to glory. He is making us new. He is transforming us more like Christ every day. So for the Christian, as we're sanctified, we are being redeemed. Our relationship with God is getting stronger. Therefore, our peace and our joy and our life is getting better every day because God is doing a work. So tell that to yourself when you feel tempted to despair over your future. No, we don't know what our future will hold before we die, but we do know our future is bright after we die because we will be with Jesus. The third thing that the enemy adds to our grief is idealization. And what do I mean by that? I mean that he tries to get us to not think about our situation realistically. He tries to get us to think about it unrealistically as if it was better than it really was. So if we look in and feel guilty and we look forward and feel hopeless, the enemy's winning. But then he takes it further and tries to get us to look back on the past in an unrealistic way. We say to ourselves, I'm sad and the past wasn't that bad. And so you're crying because you miss these good things in the past that possibly weren't even there. My counselor was very empathetic with me when I was crying and grieving all the things that I was losing. But she said, Margaret, make sure that when you grieve, you're taking off the rose-colored glasses. And I was like, what do you mean by that? And what she meant was that, yes, I am losing a lot of good things. But the past wasn't perfect. 
The past had good and bad in it, and we need to acknowledge both. We grieve both with hope that God will restore the good that was lost and that God will redeem the bad memories. And it can help lighten the sorrow when you take off the rose-colored glasses when you grieve. Satan wants us to ignore the good times so that we don't grieve losing them. He doesn't want us to grieve because then we won't heal. Or he wants us to wallow in the past as if it was this perfect ideal situation that we will never enjoy again. And God was showing me your past had good things in it and it had bad things in it. But don't act like your past was only good and you're giving up the best years of your life. Because there were some really negative things in your past and your future is bright. Yes, cry over the the bad memories. Cry over the good things that you're losing. But be realistic about what your past was like. Maybe it wasn't good. Maybe after you cry, you can be very encouraged that you're walking away from a bad situation. The truth is, the past is over. Whether the past was good or bad or both, it's over now. And that's why you need to grieve. And the truth is that your future will be bright. As a believer, things are going to get better. And in heaven, they will stay better. God is redeeming your story. And as you wait to see the evidence of that, look for the evidence that he is redeeming you. I remember one time telling the Lord, I don't see that you're redeeming the situation. And I know that you promise that you will. And I want you to redeem my situation, but I don't see it. It's too early. I'm still in the middle of it. And God showed me that he was redeeming me and that he was going to show me ways that he was redeeming me and that he was healing me as I waited for the story to unfold. So I didn't feel any longer that God was doing nothing. I knew that he was in the process of redeeming my story and he was in the process of redeeming me. He was dealing with the sin in my heart that this pain was bringing up And he was healing me from the pain of being betrayed. And so he was doing a work in my heart that I could, things that I could identify and be encouraged by, even though I couldn't see how my story was being redeemed in that moment. Another story about God redeeming us was. Just actually this past Easter, I was at my husband's family's house and it was the night before Easter and my son was not with us and he was with his dad and my husband and I had watched a show and there was a scene where a couple was basically having dinner before they never saw each other again. They were basically discussing their divorce and then they said bye and the show made it kind of emotional and played music and they kind of lingered and looked at each other for a while. And for someone who's been through a divorce, that was very emotional for me because I could really imagine what that was like and I could feel the weight of a marriage breaking up. And it just really struck me. And that night I was laying in bed 
And I just cried because I was thinking of the weight of divorce and how sad it is. I was like, oh, this is so depressing. I'm so depressed that I can't spend the holiday with my child. I'm so depressed that this is my story. Even though God was in the midst of doing good things and I could see them so clearly at that point, it just would hit me sometimes how sad and depressing divorces. It just made me sick to my stomach. And I went to sleep and I went to church the next Sunday and it was Easter. And the pastor was talking about the resurrection and how it is the basis for our Christian faith. And he was talking about it in scripture. And then he shared a story at the end. And it was funny because it was about a guy who was discouraged about going to his daughter's wedding where his ex-wife would be and how he used the gospel and the story of the resurrection to encourage him and help him have fun at the wedding and help him see the situation differently instead of going to the wedding and being discouraged about interacting with his ex-wife who had left him 20 years earlier Instead of being discouraged about that, he chose to see through the eyes of hope, to see through the eyes of faith, to have a resurrection lens, which is what the pastor called it, and to view the situation in the light of the cross. And so then I felt like God was asking me, do you really believe there is more than this life on earth. Are you going to live by faith or by sight? And I felt so much hope come over me when I just decided to keep the resurrection at the forefront of my mind. Every time I think about the divorce, every time I think about how discouraging and how sad this situation is, even in the midst of the good things, it can still be a heavy weight that I bear. And I need to always go back to the resurrection and always remember that the only addition that I need when I'm grieving is hope. I need to add hope to the grief. That is biblical. That is the only math that I need when I'm grieving. Grief plus hope. I don't need to add despair to it. I don't need to add idealization to it. Just hope. I only need to add hope. And so then when I grieve, I don't have to worry about being extra burdened down by the grief and the guilt and the despair I can actually have a lighter load and I can have the courage it takes to face my grief because I have hope. Hope gives me the courage to face my grief and it gives me the courage to get through it. So what does that have to do with dreaming again? Margaret, the question at the beginning of the episode was how am I supposed to dream again? And I had to talk about grief because Grief is not the end of the story. Grief is just the beginning. And so if I'm going to talk about dreaming again, 
I need to start at the beginning. And the beginning is talking about grief and surrender. And it's basically the first chapter of the story that God is creating as he is writing your story to make your new dreams come true. So I wanted to talk about grief at the beginning because it is that first step in dreaming again. So what we're going to do is have another episode next week to finish answering this question and to talk about how grief can turn into dreaming again and how the Lord works through that process. So stay tuned and thank you so much again for your time and attention and I will be praying for you. Please hit subscribe and think of some people that you can share this podcast with, people who are going through a divorce or maybe people who are just going through grief. And I hope you have a really good week walking in courage and I will talk to you next time. Thank you.